SQL Down Under is a podcast for professionals working in the SQL Server community. SQL Server is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions expressed during the podcast are individual opinions and may not reflect the opinions of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing Show 47 with guest Dr. Mark Tabladio. Our guest today is Mark Tabladio, and Mark has worked with business intelligence applications and development since 1998. Mark has a doctorate in industrial engineering from Georgia. Today, he provides consulting and training to clients in many industries across the United States and around the world. He promotes data mining and machine learning at marktab.net. So welcome, Mark. Thanks, Greg. First up, as I do with everyone, I get you to describe how on earth did you ever come to be involved with all this? Oh, it's a, it's a long story. I'll give the short version here. I became interested, I think, in statistics in uh, UCLA when I was an undergraduate. And I, I noticed in your introduction, you introduced me as going to Georgia. I actually went to Georgia Tech. Uh, we're kind of rival schools here. And... Um, but I continued my studies there, applied statistics, and part of that was time series and some other techniques that were hot at the time. Today, really, data mining's come full circle and now is becoming much more important for average users and people who may not have had even graduate school. So it's an exciting time, and I'm, I'm glad to see all the many things that are happening and all the people that are involved. Yeah, it's excellent. I, I find data mining is an interesting one. I, I find that it's an area that so many people haven't touched or looked at at all. Uh, even even many of the people that have had a look at analysis services, uh, because it's shipped as part of that they, in the product, they, they tend to still not have even looked at it. I, I think one of the things that I, I normally say I love about business intelligence as a whole is that if you look in most organizations, I think there's a food chain and... Uh, the better off you are is the further you are up the food chain. And uh, I, I find many of the folk that work typically in relational parts of uh, the database things, they're often in areas that the business considers a cost of doing business. And it's very, very hard to get terribly good funding and things for projects if you're in the cost of doing business end of the world. And the thing I like with business intelligence as a whole is it appeals to the people who pay the bills. But the thing, I think the further you can move up that food chain away from being a cost of doing business into something that provides significant value to the business, the, the much better off your life is going to be in, in amongst an organization. And I think data mining is one of those things that just has the potential to push you way up that tree. I agree. And, and of course, I've heard you present on this topic of data mining and specifically for analysis services. I know we share some of the same beliefs in the in the space and in general the key point that you made was being able to connect with organizations being able to connect with their values and helping 
organizations discover new information or insights into the, to any problems or issues or initiatives that that company may have. Yeah, so maybe for, for those that haven't had a good look at data mining at all, uh, just briefly, first up, maybe a quick description of how you perceive data mining to be today and the sort of value that it adds to an organization. Okay. Well, maybe I'll start, too, with, with a, my basic definition of what is data mining. And I like to use the definition that data mining is the process of revealing patterns in data which help give insights toward actionable decisions. And I make that distinction against machine learning, which is uh, a respected topic, and it's also a focus of many computer science schools today, and also a very hot topic for people wanting graduate degrees today in this field. And that area focuses more on algorithms and their specific performance against whatever metrics that someone chooses. I view data mining in, in the same way that many people in industry do, and that is it is a semi-automated process. It does use algorithms from machine learning, but also helps toward actionable decisions. And in the Microsoft world, as you mentioned earlier, this technology is inside analysis services. It's perhaps presented in an unconventional way in the sense that the data mining offering from Microsoft is not an application, it's actually a service. It's a service because it runs with analysis services. It's intended for enterprise systems, but it's also intended to be as simple as someone opening Excel and doing uh, analysis there from that well-known BI interface. So. It has a range and, and, uh, from working with Excel and all the way to working as a full-blown uh, production service connected to analysis services, connected to the relational data engine. Yeah, I think for one of the examples I'd normally use, I think for people that haven't really thought about what data mining is about, I find the example many people now would have bought things from Amazon or sites like that. and. If I look back years ago, the types of suggestions that it used to make to me about what else I might buy were fairly basic. But if I look at it today, it's the razor sharp suggestions that are coming up. So when I'm purchasing something, the, the, it seems to know an amazing amount now about what I'm interested in, what sort of things I would buy. And most people have come across that as a simple example of things that are involved in data mining, but they must realize that that's something that it comp must completely change even the entire profitability of that company. And I love that example. I'm an Amazon customer myself you know, for many years uh, and have also enjoyed the recommendations that they might provide based on searches or even when I log on as a user based on my past purchase history. And the idea there is that data mining gives a probabilistic look into what someone is likely to want based on past actions. And it's based on the idea, again, even on a screen real estate, there's only so much space. If we had a, a huge screen and we had the ability to see Amazon's entire stock of all, all the books that they sell, then we would be able to absorb all the information at once. Of course, that 
numbers in the millions, and for humans, we have to have a, a reduced list to focus on, and that's, that's a good example of where data mining can provide value. I want to make a short technical note here that will uh, set apart perhaps analysis services and what it does for this specific example we're talking about, which is association or market basket analysis. And that is that the analysis services technology will allow someone to analyze or do a data mining model uh, based on a nested relational structure, whereas many competing products require the data to be flattened or denormalized. Um, so I think I consider that one of the advantages of using Microsoft technology. Yeah, in terms of being very flexible in that arrangement, yeah. I think the, so maybe, I suppose a good starting point is probably something around the algorithms, but just the the types of things that we can do with data mining. Right. Okay, so uh, data mining, uh, I, I like to think about it in three different categories. The first category is actually the example I feel people would use the most, and that is the time series or forecasting analysis. So the basic idea there is that one column would be um, evenly spaced time increments. Maybe it might be months or years, or maybe it, it might could even be minutes. But anyway, evenly spaced time sequence. And then uh, for the predictive column would be some number. So it would be an integer and um, that, or it could be floating point number. And the idea there would be to predict what the next values would be in the future based on history in the past. And it can, in the Microsoft technology, consider any type of cyclical effects. And a cyclical effect, at least in the United States, might be seasonal trends in retailing where certain months in a certain year uh, are known to be high and then uh, on a 12-month cycle. So that's something that the, a model could include. So again, category one is the, the time series. Two other categories that I like to talk about are the supervised and the unsupervised algorithms. The unsupervised algorithms generally are just trying to collect items together that are similar. That's basically the task of the clustering algorithm, for example. And the, um, the supervised algorithms have a specific target in mind, and the question will be of, of the other independent variables or attributes, uh, what combinations lead to uh, a best prediction of that output variable. Now, these are in very general terms. Um, I, I feel it's, it's hard to understand it just based on words, and I know many times people do want to see examples. We'll be talking through about that. I know you mentioned my website, marktab.net, where I have some video online that I've produced and slide decks and examples there online to see how some of this works in action. Yeah, that's excellent. Okay, so Mark, what basically is provided in the box today with SQL Server? Um, so I suppose what capabilities do you think there are right there out of the box and how useful are they? Right, so uh, in the box with SQL Server, of course, one of the one of the selling points here on this data mining technology, 
along with analysis services is that it comes bundled with a SQL Server license. And that just means that when, when someone purchases SQL Server, they get it at a certain level and they're able to use that technology um, across all the uh, components which are included. So what I'm saying for a SQL Server standard or an enterprise license, each one of them is going to have an, an implementation of data mining. Personally, I do uh, recommend that people seriously look at the Enterprise Edition. It does have some additional features, especially in the time series area for data mining, and can provide some um, excellent uh, service there. For the front end, as part of that license package, people use something for at least version 2008, now we're talking 2008 SQL Server. They use a product called Business Intelligence Development Studio, which people often uh, abbreviate as BIDS, B-I-D-S. And that is a, a portal for Visual Studio, and it allows someone to develop a data mining structure or data mining model and then put that uh, model into production. When I say put in production, what I mean is that when the model, well, a structure based, well, so what is a structure? Data mining structure is just a list of attributes made available for data mining, and then a data mining model actually takes the attributes from a structure, attaches it to a specific algorithm, and inside the Microsoft list, there are, there are what I call 10, okay, but let me make, make clear here, Nine of the ten are in analysis services, and then one of the ten, which is text mining, is part of integration services. So uh, inside analysis services, there's, there's nine algorithms, and any one of those nine algorithms could be used for a specific model. How many models can you make? It's actually a very large number. It's like 2 to the 31, and uh, I have a specific number on my blog. I don't remember the exact number, but there's, there's a very large number of models that someone could make theoretically if you wanted to make that many models. And the limitation at that point would be something like hard disk space or perhaps memory on a computer. But as far as the software itself is concerned, it's really made for enterprise type situations. So the, the technology there is very powerful for analyzing large, very large systems and being able to leverage the processing speed of analysis services, which is where the performance tuning would happen if someone needed to do that, to be able to um, have a model in production. Now, performance tuning is not an important thing for someone just connecting it to Excel, if someone just wants to use it from Excel in, in what's called an interactive session, uh, they could do that. They would make either a temporary or permanent data mining model, and they can uh, do analysis on fairly small uh, data tables. So that's another option. And again, to be able to, for someone to evaluate what the difference is on these options, they should see uh, demo. I've done some demos, but I'm not the only one. In fact, I put links on my website of some of the Microsoft videos and demos that exist. And there's a number of other people who have done them too that are not with Microsoft who also 
showcase this technology. So uh, it's it's good to get in front of a screen and have someone show uh, what the difference is on some of these technologies. Yeah, in, indeed. Could you give an example of a, a specific business situation where you found that you've got good outcomes? Specific business situation. Well, let me tell you a story since, you know, uh, we did not mention my intro. I am also working with, with solid quality mentors, so that's that's one of our common points of connection. And let me give an example of a client, which we have, uh, who has used data mining to a good advantage. And this is a telecommunications client. I'm not sure if I can share the name, but I'll just say they're in telecommunications. They're in the news industry, and they have... Uh, a, a system right now where they where users can leave comments on their website. So imagine again, it's it's a telecommunications and news organization, and they are allowing people to post comments onto their public uh, public website. Uh, they pay people to read comments. Uh, some comments are automatically filtered out. Other comments go into, well, we're not sure type of category. And for those comments, you know, they read them and they decide whether they can or cannot be posted. So our team, which uh, wanted to use this data mining technology, used data mining to determine, to help determine what some of the features were of these posts. And they did it uh, on in one level based on the attributes of who the uh, person posting was, and what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, when did they sign up, and uh, how much time had passed between the time they signed up and the time they post, and what types of forms were they posting on, and how frequently, and what's uh, what the size of these posts were. So these types of attribute variables, and then they can do it based on history they know in the past, based on uh, post people posting, so user history on which types of posts were not approved by their moderators, and they can therefore determine a probability of whether a future post might be likely to be uh, filtered. And what's the business value of that? The business value is being able to, in advance, have the machine first look at posts and then the machine will would, will get will, can assign these posts a probability rating of being likely to have uh, an issue according to their editorial guidelines. And uh, in that case, too, the, the moderators, the human moderators, can prioritize their work based on these based on what the machine probabilities are. And then the, the humans will make the final decision. And I like the example, too, because I have often said that data mining does not make a specific decision for people. It's people who are the ones that make decisions. And yes, it is possible for someone, a person, to program a data mining algorithm to automatically make a decision for them. That is true. But still, I like to say that in any situation, it's always people who make the final call on what uh, an algorithm does, or even if something becomes fully automated, you know, to have a specific uh, cutoff number or specific result or trigger as a result of data mining. People's values still become 
part of the conversation. And in this case, it wasn't any specific person. It was the organization's values, uh, what they want on a website. So that um, project was able to um, demonstrate some cost savings in the millions of dollars. So I think that uh, in this case, they were able to demonstrate that they were able to move uh, from where they were and leveraging the power of what a machine can do, and that is being able to uh, read posts or actually it wasn't reading posts in this case. So we're not doing text mining in this specific case. You know that was not one of the early objectives. The early objectives were just to do straight supervised algorithm and evaluate data, and then based on past behavior, be able to prioritize any future post and then put them into a queue uh, for a moderator. Yeah, that's great. So, And the main thing is the business value there is just the reduction in the overall cost of what they would have had to have human-wise otherwise uh, to do that work. Yeah, it's excellent. The um, One of the things, uh, I have had some questions that come up at times about the level of dedication the team has uh, in Microsoft to the product. There don't seem to have been a lot of changes lately to what's provided in the data mining tooling. And one of the arguments is that it's already at a fairly mature stage. And so that's a point at which you wouldn't see a whole lot of things coming out. What's your take on where you think uh, the level of interest is within the product team and or the, the future of that part of the product? Right. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there's there's a quote that I have somewhere from Bill Gates from about 10 years ago, and he was generally talking about Microsoft Research. And he was at the time, and I think this still represents Microsoft's general position. They are they are typic they are generally interested in data mining. They are generally interested in machine learning across the entire product spectrum. Uh, we know uh, today we're focusing on analysis services and we're focusing on data mining algorithms inside analysis services, and then I also mentioned text mining inside integration services. But I feel that if, uh, and I have links on my website, marktab.net, where I point to some of the machine learning work going on right now in Microsoft Research. Now I will say as far as uh, my feel, and this is just a feel, I don't have a number behind this, but my feel is that a lot of that technology is now being invested in their search engine, which is Bing.com, and then also will be reflected in uh, the, the fast search uh, technology, which uh, recently got rolled into Microsoft, but also is uh, part of SharePoint. Uh, now is going to be uh, bundled that way. Now to answer your specific question for the analysis services team, uh, I do encourage people to find out as much as they can about this team. This team uh, has has not only produced you know a world class OLAP technology, but it's also produced data mining and it's also producing uh, a new product uh, called Power Pivot. Power Pivot right now in its, in its first implementation is, is in one form an add-on to Microsoft Excel. I have described it as kind of a light version of Microsoft Access. 
But don't take my words for it. You need to go see it for yourself at PowerPivot.com, what it is and what it does. And in the next release of SQL Server, Microsoft's already announced that they are going to continue to work on developing PowerPivot and the technology behind it, which they call VertiPack, and then also uh, integrate that uh, more with the Analysis Services product, which I don't know that anyone really knows what the next version of Analysis Services is exactly going to look like. I only mention that because the data mining piece inside of Analysis Services is just part of what makes this whole enterprise solution work. Functionally, no one does data mining without, for example, bundling it into um, and, and I'm talking about in an enterprise environment. All right, they're not going to do it uh, pragmatically without using uh, integration services, which is what my recommendation is for rolling out data mining into the um, enterprise environment. So it's not just um, looking for, for example, Microsoft to have more algorithms, for example, inside analysis services. Some of these other systemic changes, and uh, by the way, I also want to mention Apollo column store indexes. That's a new change in the relational engine. I put it on my blog, and it's also been one of my most well-read blog posts of this year. People continue to read it every week about what I wrote about VertiPak and Apollo column store indexes. I wrote about these topics because, again, my interest in specifically Microsoft is not necessarily about um, testing new or novel algorithms that might come out of the statistical or computer science literature. My focus is more with data mining and data mining for enterprise environments and these new innovations from Microsoft in PowerPivot and with the Apollo Column Store indexes will help with where most of the work is for data mining anyway, and that's in what's called ETL, Extract, Transform, and Load. That's what that abbreviation stands for, and it reflects the, the data cleaning or the data verification procedures important for preparing data to even before even uh, an algorithm is applied to that data. So uh, anything that Microsoft can do on, on that portion, and I've heard people call it maybe even 70%. So in, in, in actual practice, most of what data mining is in terms of actual work, if that was the entire focus of someone's project, and we're not saying that that typically is, that's typically not. Typically people are doing other things also. But let's, let's just, for sake of argument, let's just say that, that an organization is just doing data mining. Most of the effort is going to be in ETL. Anything Microsoft can do to help that process does have direct effect on data mining, which is supported technology and which, which um, you know, Microsoft still is uh, supporting through their, their technical support and user forums. Now, I will say it's, it's, there was a time and a short window where Data mining was the new thing. Well, it's not the new thing anymore. You know, VertiPack and Apollo Column Store Indexes and, and Power Pivot are now the new new thing. But um, Microsoft is 
staying behind the technology as it is for analysis services. It is extensible in the sense that someone can look at their product site, which is sqlserverdatamining.com, and look at ways of programming your own algorithms if you are so inclined and want to do that. So someone can program their own algorithms on top of this technology and extend the product. So uh, overall, and even even if someone doesn't want to do that, I think that the, the product right out of the box has incredible, incredible efficiency. So anyone who has done data mining will uh, immediately recognize some of the outputs and the, and the names of the algorithms and even some of the tasks uh, which, uh, which you could do with that. So that's uh, my basic take on that. But let me ask you, I mean, yeah. what, what have you heard about some of these other ETL technologies? Yeah, I think, well, actually, the, the thing I look at with the data mining, probably the thing that's been raising questions is just uh, they've been a bit slow producing some of the things. Like, for example, uh, in Excel, there's a 32-bit version of the add-on, uh, the data mining add-on, uh, but they haven't produced a 64-bit version. And uh, so there's been sort of questions about, like, is there some sort of lack of commitment uh in that area, and then some of the key, uh, I suppose endlessly you see things like key people from the team have moved on, so it just tends to raise some questions about, you know, uh, is this sort of going forward fairly fast? But the, the thing I do like is that what is already there is really, really substantial and uh, and probably at a fairly mature level already. Um, I do find it interesting, the idea it's extensible, um, and uh, I often say to people, look, even if you would never have any interest at all in extending some of these things, the the idea that it is extensible is is actually quite important. Uh, I mean, I look at things like reporting services, and most people can't imagine that they would ever build uh, components or processing extensions that would drop into the toolbox, like new controls or things like that. But it's really important that somebody can so that means that the Dunduses and the other companies, it is possible for them to build things for you to buy to add on to the product, where if they, they had it all as a completely closed arrangement, then that's not possible. And one of the things I'm, uh, if anything, I tend to be critical of the SQL Server team of, I think extensibility is something that they don't tend to get in, in much of the product. But in the uh, the case of these, they do have good extensibility points, and I think that's important. Uh, the other place where it's very useful is it means that in an academic setting, uh, if somebody wants to try and do things like create new algorithms and so on, it then gives them a very, very good framework to plug into. Right, and uh, that's a good point. I feel that any graduate student who can program a .NET language and who has some knowledge of algorithms should be able to extend the product. And I can say that because I've taught, and I am teaching uh, graduate school. We didn't mention that in my bio, but I'm teaching at University of Phoenix. So I have taught graduate level statistics. I don't feel that, like the challenge is beyond uh, what a graduate student uh, could do. And then again, you know, for your uh, business user out there, he said, well, I'm not, you know, I didn't go to graduate school for that purpose. Maybe they went, you know, for an MBA or some other degree. Uh, they still can find someone uh, who could do this for them. If, they, if extensibility is a, as pressing a need 
um, that that's something that's certainly possible. Yeah. Look, Mark, that's probably a good point to just take a short break, and we'll come back shortly. Okay. Could you give an example of a, a specific business situation where you found that you've got good outcomes? Specific business situation. Well, let me tell you a story since, you know, uh, we did not mention my intro. I am also working with, with solid quality mentors, so that's that's one of our common points of connection. And let me give an example of a client, which we have, uh, who has used data mining to a good advantage. And this is a telecommunications client. I'm not sure if I can share the name, but I'll just say they're in telecommunications. They're in the news industry. And they have uh, a, a system right now where, they, where users can leave comments on their website. So imagine, again, it's, it's a telecommunications and news organization, and they are allowing people to post comments onto their public uh, a public website. Uh, they pay people to read comments. Uh, some comments are automatically filtered out. Other comments go into, well, we're not sure type of category. And for those comments, you know, they read them and then decide whether they can or cannot be posted. So our team, which uh, wanted to use this data mining technology, used data mining to determine, to help determine what some of the features were of these posts. And they did it uh, on in one level based on the attributes of who the uh, person posting was. And what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, when did they sign up? And uh, how much time had passed between the time they signed up and the time they post? And what types of forms were they posting on? And how frequently? And what's, uh, what the size of these posts were? So these types of attribute variables, and then they can do it based on history. They know in the past based on uh, post people posting, so user history, on which types of posts were not approved by their moderators, and they can therefore determine a probability of whether a future post might be likely to be uh, filtered. And what's the business value of that, the business value is being able to, in advance, have the machine first look at posts, and then the machine will, would, will get, can assign these posts a probability rating of being likely to have uh, an issue according to their editorial guidelines. And uh, in that case, too, the, the moderators, the human moderators, can prioritize their work based on these based on what the machine probabilities are, and then the, the humans will make the final decision. And I like the example, too, because I have often said that data mining does not make a specific decision for people. It's people who are the ones that make decisions. And yes, it is possible for someone, a person, to program a data mining algorithm to automatically make a decision for them. That is true. But still, I like to and you say that in any situation, it's always people who make the final call on what uh, an algorithm does, or even if something becomes fully automated, you know, to have a specific uh, cutoff number or specific result or trigger as a result of data mining. People's values still become 
part of the conversation. And in this case, it wasn't any specific person. It was the organization's values, uh, what they want on a website. So that um, project was able to um, demonstrate some cost savings in the millions of dollars. So I think that uh, in this case, they were able to demonstrate that they were able to move uh, from where they were and leveraging the power of what a machine can do, and that is being able to uh, read posts or actually it wasn't reading posts in this case. So we're not doing text mining in this specific case. You know that was not one of the early objectives. The early objectives were just to do straight supervised algorithm and evaluate data, and then based on past behavior, be able to prioritize any future post and then put them into a queue uh, for a moderator. Yeah, that's great. So, And the main thing is the business value there is just the reduction in the overall cost of what they would have had to have human-wise otherwise uh, to do that work. Yeah, it's excellent. The um, One of the things, uh, I have had some questions that come up at times about the level of dedication the team has uh, in Microsoft to the product. There don't seem to have been a lot of changes lately to what's provided in the data mining tooling. And one of the arguments is that it's already at a fairly mature stage, and so that's a point at which you wouldn't see a whole lot of things coming out. What's your take on where you think uh, the level of interest is within the product team and or the, the future of that part of the product? Right. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there's there's a quote that I have somewhere from Bill Gates from about 10 years ago, and he was generally talking about Microsoft Research. And he was at the time, and I think this still represents Microsoft's general position. They are they are typic they are generally interested in data mining. They are generally interested in machine learning across the entire product spectrum. Uh, we know uh, today we're focusing on analysis services and we're focusing on data mining algorithms inside analysis services, and then I also mentioned text mining inside integration services. But I feel that if, uh, and I have links on my website, marktab.net, where I point to some of the machine learning work going on right now in Microsoft Research. Now I will say as far as uh, my feel, and this is just a feel, I don't have a number behind this, but my feel is that a lot of that technology is now being invested in their search engine, which is Bing.com, and then also will be reflected in uh, the, the fast search uh, technology, which uh, recently got rolled into Microsoft, but also is uh, part of SharePoint. Uh, now is going to be uh, bundled that way. Now to answer your specific question for the analysis services team, uh, I do encourage people to find out as much as they can about this team. This team uh, has, has not only produced you know, a world-class OLAP technology, but it's also produced data mining, and it's also producing uh, a new product uh, called PowerPivot. PowerPivot right now in its, in its first implementation is, is in one form an add-on to Microsoft Excel. I have described it as kind of a light version of Microsoft Access. 
But don't take my words for it. You need to go see it for yourself at powerpivot.com, what it is and what it does. And in the next release of SQL Server, Microsoft's already announced that they are going to continue to work on developing PowerPivot and the technology behind it, which they call VertiPack, and then also uh, integrate that uh, more with the Analysis Services product, which I don't know that anyone really knows what the next version of Analysis Services is exactly going to look like. I only mention that because the data mining piece inside of Analysis Services is just part of what makes this whole enterprise solution work. Functionally, no one does data mining without, for example, bundling it into um, and, and I'm talking about in an enterprise environment. All right, they're not going to do it uh, pragmatically without using uh, integration services, which is what my recommendation is for rolling out data mining into the um, enterprise environment. So it's not just um, looking for, for example, Microsoft to have more algorithms, for example, inside analysis services. Some of these other systemic changes, and uh, by the way, I also want to mention Apollo column store indexes. That's a new change in the relational engine. I put it on my blog, and it's also been one of my most well-read blog posts of this year. People continue to read it every week about what I wrote about VertiPack and Apollo column store indexes. I wrote about these topics because, again, my interest in specifically Microsoft is not necessarily about um, testing new or novel algorithms that might come out of the statistical or computer science literature. My focus is more with data mining and data mining for enterprise environments and these new innovations from Microsoft in PowerPivot and with the Apollo Column Store indexes will help with where most of the work is for data mining anyway, and that's in what's called ETL, Extract, Transform, and Load. That's what that abbreviation stands for, and it reflects the, the data cleaning or the data verification procedures important for preparing data to even before even uh, an algorithm is applied to that data. So uh, anything that Microsoft can do on, on that portion, and I've heard people call it maybe even 70%. So in, in, in actual practice, most of what data mining is in terms of actual work, if that was the entire focus of someone's project, and we're not saying that that typically is, that's typically not. Typically people are doing other things also. But let's, let's just, for sake of argument, let's just say that, that an organization is just doing data mining, most of the effort is going to be in ETL. Anything Microsoft can do to help that process does have direct effect on data mining, which is supported technology and which, which um, you know, Microsoft still is uh, supporting through their, their technical support and user forums. Now, I will say it's, it's, there was a time and a short window where Data mining was the new thing. Well, it's not the new thing anymore. You know, VertiPack and Apollo Column Store Indexes and, and Power Pivot are now the new new thing. But um, Microsoft is 
staying behind the technology as it is for analysis services. It is extensible in the sense that someone can look at their product site, which is sqlserverdatamining.com, and look at ways of programming your own algorithms if you are so inclined and want to do that. So someone can program their own algorithms on top of this technology and extend the product. So uh, I, overall, and even even if someone doesn't want to do that, I think that the, the product right out of the box has incredible, incredible efficiency. So anyone who has done data mining will uh, immediately recognize some of the outputs and the, and the names of the algorithms and even some of the tasks uh, which, uh, which you could do with that. So that's uh, my basic take on that. But let me ask you, I mean, yeah. what, what have you heard about some of these other ETL technologies? Yeah, I think, well, actually, the, the thing I look at with the data mining, probably the thing that's been raising questions is just uh, they've been a bit slow producing some of the things. Like, for example, uh, in Excel, there's a 32-bit version of the add-on, uh, the data mining add-on, uh, but they haven't produced a 64-bit version. And uh, so there's been sort of questions about, like, is there some sort of lack of commitment uh, in that area? And then some of the key, uh, I suppose endlessly, you see things like key people from the team have moved on. So it just tends to raise some questions about, you know, uh, is this sort of going forward fairly fast? But the the thing I do like is that what is already there is really, really substantial and uh, and probably at a fairly mature level already. Um, I do find it interesting, the idea it's extensible. Um, and uh, I often say to people, look, even if you would never have any interest at all in extending some of these things, the the idea that it is extensible is, is actually quite important. Uh, I mean, I look at things like reporting services, and most people can't imagine that they would ever build... Uh, components or processing extensions that would drop into the toolbox like new controls or things like that. But it's really important that somebody can. So that means that the Dunduses and the other companies, it is possible for them to build things for you to buy to add on to the product, where if they, they had it all as a completely closed arrangement, then that's not possible. And one of the things I'm, uh, if anything I tend to be critical of the SQL Server team of, I think extensibility is something that they don't tend to get in, in much of the product. But in the uh, the case of these, they do have good extensibility points, and I think that's important. Uh, the other place where it's very useful is it means that in an academic setting, uh, if somebody wants to try and do things like create new algorithms and so on, it then gives them a very, very good framework to plug into. Right, and uh, that's a good point. I feel that any graduate student who can program a .NET language and who has some knowledge of algorithms should be able to extend the product. And I can say that because I've taught, and I am teaching uh, graduate school. We didn't mention that in my bio, but I'm teaching at University of Phoenix. So I have taught graduate-level statistics. I don't feel that, like the challenge is beyond uh, what a graduate student uh, could do. And then again, you know, for your uh, business user out there who said, well, I'm not, you know, I didn't go to graduate school for that purpose. Maybe they went, you know, for an MBA or some other degree. Uh, they still can find someone uh, who could do this for them if, they, if extensibility is a, as pressing a need. Um, that that's something that's certainly possible.
Yeah. Look, Mark, that's probably a good point to just take a short break, and we'll come back shortly. Okay. As well as community resources such as this podcast, SQL Down Under offer mentoring services and both private and public training options. If you need to get your project back on track, or if you need to get it off to a good start, why not give us a call? We have also recently introduced a series of online courses available in both Asia-Pacific and US-UK time zones. In particular, the first course that's offered in this series is Query Performance Tuning. You'll find details at www.sqldownunder.com. Welcome back. So, Mark, is is there a life outside SQL Server and data mining? Uh, what else do you get involved with? I'm glad there is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am a believer in work-life balance. Um, you know, I've had good advice from, you know, people much wiser than me uh, to have um, a life beyond just professional interests. Um, I will say for your users, and I am on Facebook, and, and people can tap into my, my social life, uh, I, I will just generally mention just on that topic that I've collected most of my friends, which I would consider most of them, you know, acquaintances, uh, from my primary uh, social hobby, which is uh, partner dancing. And by partner dancing, I'm, I'm referring mostly to Swain and, and Lindy Hop, uh, which is which is done to American jazz music, uh, and I also sometimes will will do salsa and other forms of ballroom dance. But it has been a passion of mine, you know, probably for just over ten years. It's something I discovered after I was out of college, and something I wish I would have done earlier, just because it's it's just great social fun. I've met you know people from around the world. Uh, you know, the thing too, I. Uh, Times when I've traveled, even in the United States or even internationally, um, I often find myself, you know, on my on my off hours or on my my uh, leisure time or, or tourist time, uh, looking for social events and and dancing events. So it's something I enjoy. Something I've I've helped uh, organize uh, here in the Atlanta area, and um, have encouraged other people to uh, look at or try. Actually, that's good. Yes, I should mention uh, the last time I saw you was in Alicante in Spain not not long ago, and I remember you. one of the things you did one of the evenings was wander off or try and find a a place with music and things like that. So, Yeah, and I, I did find a salsa club there in Alicante. So, you know, pretty much around the world, well, I think around the world probably salsa is a more predominant uh, dance uh, in most cities around the world. But in the United States, it's it's often easier to find swing dancing, and either that's Lindy Hop or what's called West Coast Swing. So either of those um, forms are, are great. Good. Well, it's good to see a life outside it. The in term, back on the data mining though, the I suppose we've talked about how you might have something like Excel or tools like that as a front end. But, of course, the other big thing is how you would integrate that into your own applications. And right. so maybe just some mention, I think, of DMX and so on might be kind of uh, a little enlightening for those that haven't looked at that. Okay. So let's we'll be a little bit more, more tech geeky here in maybe these, these uh, responses. So I'm not going to completely explain these technologies. 
DMX stands for Data Mining Extensions, and it refers to the SQL-like language that someone can use through SQL Server Management Studio. And it allows for someone to manage either data mining structure or uh, data mining models. And I will mention, too, that DMX is, is a core piece of some of the upcoming presentations that I have, which you know I guess we'll be talking about toward the end of this podcast. But uh, it, it's a, it, again, it's a SQL-like language. It allows someone to um, manipulate the models. It is the focus of the Microsoft certification questions in this area. They will ask questions about DMX uh, for the, which I, what I believe is a 452 exam, which is the current one. So um, that's one of the topics. And you spoke about application development. The, the data mining technology is completely encapsulated in, in the analysis services class structure. Uh, on my blog, uh, I reviewed a book, which I do recommend uh, for people interested in this topic, and that, that book is on data mining for the 2008 version. It was written by Jamie McLennan and Bogdan Krivat, and, and uh, I did a review on my blog on this book and on some of their code. I took some of the code which they had in that book, which was written for C Sharp, and I translated it into PowerShell. And that post itself has become also one of the most um, referenced posts on my blog. And PowerShell is PowerShell. I do consider an application environment, and only because it um, it's it's for simpler applications. You know, it I feel it completely replaces the need to do uh, console application programming from regular Visual. Studio, and it has complete access to the entire .NET class structure. So it's a great way for people to use uh, in, in the .NET world what's called AMO or ADOMD.NET, where AMO is for the management of the, of the data mining and analysis services, and then ADOMD.NET is for the querying of those models. So those two interfaces would would be a, a way to start. And in addition to that, um, there are a lot of application tips on the product team's website, which is SQLServerDataMining.com. And including uh, included on that uh, website are some controls that people can use uh, to, to drop into their applications. And you could look at those controls, see what they are, you know, see if you like them, and if you don't, then you could just make um, alternative um, viewers or controls uh, for your application. Uh, I view, I, I believe going forward, you know, I would like to see more um, more people working on specifically controls. I think there will be a market for controls. I've talked about this on my blog. And I'm hoping specifically that, that uh, more people will want to make controls either for um, web applications, which include SharePoint, or also uh, for Silverlight, uh, which I feel is going to be a, a fascinating way that people are going to want to look at data mining uh, from that uh, viewer perspective. And again, that also can be 
in SharePoint. So these are these are some interesting times uh, for people who who want to take that next step and and do some creative visualization. Yeah, what also intrigues me with business applications is the places that I see data mining should be used in even just standard traditional uh, business applications. Uh, um, it, it's, it sort of strikes a lot of people, I think, oh, well, where on earth would you use this? But the thing that intrigues me, if, if you think about even the tax department or somebody like that, you would, mm -hmm. in any country now, I mean, they don't have time to go through and look in detail at everybody's tax returns and things like that. So you can imagine that they're endlessly looking at where do you sit in terms of what you've returned compared to the norm, uh, whatever that is perceived to be? And and in some way, if you're an outlier uh, in that in that area, they're going to want to have a look at further at what you're doing. And right. I, I see that even with normal business applications. It's it amazes me the number of sites that I go to which would ask me questions, and I could say, for example, I'm you know, a 25-year-old uh, guy and I live in a really poor neighborhood and I earn $800,000 a year and I have 25 years education and I can go and fill all these details in and the systems don't even blink uh, <laughs> because, like, each question on its own is is completely reasonable. But as a whole, uh, there's no, almost zero possibility that... that, uh, that my answers as a whole make sense together. And I think one of the powers of something like data mining is that we could make much better use of it to be able to look at when somebody even fills in a normal form in an application to go, is there any real chance that that data is correct? Right. Uh, I think, you know, I like your line of questioning, and I, I feel it speaks to generally what do we expect from intelligence specifically. And it's not just business intelligence, but it's any type of intelligence, even the type of intelligence that governments have to, to inform them about what's going on around the world. And again, thinking about the concepts, what's the difference? You know, I, I've talked on my blog about what's the difference between regular business intelligence, you know, what is the difference between drill down and data mining? And drill down is just a deterministic look at more detail in depth. In other words, it just gives somebody facts that are already there. Data mining it differs from drill down because it's it's a probabilistic look, and it will require somebody to make an evaluation judgment. And and Greg, in your example about someone filling in a form um, and being perhaps a potential outlier, again, data mining would just maybe flag someone as being probable. Okay, but it's not going to say for sure. And someone will have to come in and make a decision, do an investigation and say, you know, what do you think? Do you think this person is an outlier or not? And, you know, is more investigation warranted? And in some cases, and this is the part that might bother people when they use data mining, uh, even human judges may not be able to make a conclusive decision based on what the question is without gathering more additional information. Okay, so data mining might show something to be a potential problem, but uh, no one may know, you know, you know whether that uh, issue is an outlier without gaining additional information. So um, sometimes that's a stopping point right there. Other times, 
there's a relationship, you know, between an organization and perhaps an individual or another group, and there, it is possible to, to collect more data. So where does it have the highest potential impact? I think in cases where there's a continuing and ongoing relationship, such as uh, patients in, in the healthcare system, such as customers of a financial services institution, or maybe customers of a service organization. And when I say service, it could be anything from like a utility or a telecommunications organization or even a media outlet. What What's your take on the product in terms of performance in two areas? One is the time it takes, uh, on, let's say actually three areas, the, uh, but I suppose the how long does it take to build models, do you think, uh, compared to the amount of data it's processing? And also, when you're making queries, how quick is it? Uh, if I send a DMX query that says, go off and do a predictive join or something, what sort of performance do you find there? So and just overall, how do you think the product performs? Right. Um, okay, performance. So it's a fair question to ask. And... Um, I will say it two ways. First, first off, I feel that the product as it is now is fast enough to be a back-end to the Excel interface. That the, There's a Microsoft add-in. It's a free add-in for Excel that does data mining. It's fast enough to provide an interactive, good user experience for Excel. And uh, so that does say a lot right there, and especially if it's working on a server. Now, you know, I typically have had computers or machines which tend to be ahead of the median, uh, as I'm sure you and, and a lot of other IT professionals do. So, you know, um, but I don't have, for example, the absolute best laptop ever built. Um, but I, I find on even even more average available systems, it's, it, its performance is is very good. Uh, I did have someone who uh, emailed me a few weekends ago uh, about performance, and it's it's information I haven't po posted yet to my blog. But the essence of the question was, uh, how do you get insight into performance for data mining? And um, that a, part of the story has to do with analysis services, just raw analysis services, and how is is it configured? Ideally, analysis services runs on its own box, and it's just doing that. Sometimes in some shops, they may run, for example, relational engine and analysis services on the same box. That choice has an impact on performance. But uh, you know, for someone to want better performance, they could just put dedicated analysis services there, or do uh, one of these scale-up or, or scale-out uh, solutions available, I uh, will often refer people to SQLCAT.com, which is a uh, performance uh, website. It gives some tips uh, across the entire SQL Server back on how to uh, tweak or improve performance. And I will say this, and again, this is a comparative statement uh, about what I'm about to say, what makes this technology different from many of the other competitive solutions. 
if someone was looking at you know one of the many um, open source data mining software packages available, those packages were designed to run on one machine, and they were basically designed to run within the memory capacity of that one machine. In this case, this Microsoft technology, we're talking about the ability to either run on one machine, which you can, and I often do that with demos. I'll run analysis services on the same machine that I'm running my PowerPoint slides. Or someone could put it into a client-server uh, situation and have analysis services running on one or perhaps more machines, uh, splitting the load between multiple machines and, and in ways that I don't personally know very well. I will say I'm not a performance guru or expert, and I know enough to say that I'm not uh, expert in those areas. But you know, I do know um, people who are, and I do know resources you know, where I would go for answers and try to improve, improve performance that way. Uh, I did, again, to finish this topic, one of the sides is improving the performance just of SQL Server and analysis services. Another way there's another way to tackle performance issues, which I will be blogging about uh, for data mining, and that is to just consider what is the scope of the problem. And what I, when I say something like that, again, I'll go back to my earlier statement about the capacities. I'm not going to go into detail uh, about what, uh, what all is involved with the algorithms, because we're talking about nine different algorithms. They each have their own performance tuning parameters, uh, which some can read about in the in the SQL Server documentation. But beyond that, um, one of the general advice points, and this is just based on now decades of statistical analysis experience from the academic and business community, is to try to make models simple. And sometimes people will look at technologies such as this um, Microsoft technology and say, well, you know, it can handle maybe hundreds or thousands of attributes, so we're going to put everything in there. Well, someone has to really ask, do you really need to have a thousand attributes even if a thousand are available? Or could you reduce that number, perhaps produce a simpler model, and a simple model will not only be quicker to build, when we say build, we're talking about the word train. Train means be able to take some data, match it against attributes, and produce a model. So it will be faster to train, and it will also be faster to query. So simpler, simplicity itself is a major uh, performance strategy, and it is a best practice to try to make the models as simple as possible. So those, those, uh, that gives the scope. That, that simplicity point is true across all data mining products. doesn't matter you know, who wrote them. But when I spoke earlier about the server performance aspects, that's, those uh, tips and efficiencies are only going to be available for products like uh, analysis services that are server-based, and that's why this technology arose the way that it did. It, it was built, Microsoft intended data mining to be built this way specifically for performance. If they wanted it just for features, then it would have been rolled out perhaps as another element of Microsoft Office, perhaps even just as a pure extension to uh, Excel or some of the other products. But the way that it is, it's really written for 
performance. And for people who want to assess or analyze that, they can do better by applying best practices in performance and including in continuing to improve hardware and also maybe even network uh, network uh, elements. Maybe it's a fan. Maybe it's you know just the physical pipe or where servers are located. There's a lot more tuning and configuration that can happen once a technology enters into server space. Now, one thing that I do want to drag you back towards, uh, you mentioned, made brief mention earlier about text mining in integration services. Uh, maybe just your thoughts on what is the typical use case or where is the real value added for by that text mining? Okay. Well, the text mining, uh, uh, which is a term lookup and term extraction uh, technology inside integration services, and it's great technology. It works in, in any language so long as it's English, as I like to tell people. So it's, it's, just, <laughs> nice. based on en- <laughs> it's just based on English. Uh, what it does is, is it extracts nouns and noun phrases, and then it enables someone to build a dictionary of those terms and attach it to a relational file, and then use that as a platform for applying some of the other algorithms. Now, someone could actually program that, and they could, uh, you know, look for specific terms yourself. The advantage of using the built-in ones is that you don't have to say look for a noun or a noun phrase; it will look for it for you. Now, that's the the technology as it is. Um, I would encourage people to use it. I've seen only primitive examples, and I've only produced primitive examples. Uh, again, because there, there are, it has a limited range of scope of what it uh, can do and what it will do. So maybe just uh, one example of the sort of thing you could potentially do with it? Okay. Well, I'll give you an example. Well, I, I will retell the story of the standard example that is in... Uh, the book that I mentioned earlier on data mining 2008, and what they did is they took American uh, U.S. Um, presidential addresses. Well, every year, uh, the American president has the invitation to speak before Congress in what's called the State of the Union. And what they did was they took terms from that speech, and then they tried to predict what party the president was in based on the terms that they would use in the speech. Now there's, you know, it's it's an interesting example. There for people, for students of political history, they may, you know, be al- alerted to the fact that they took, you know, 200 years worth of presidential addresses and try to predict parties when when everyone knows very well that the names of parties have changed uh, in the last 200 years and then also the, the basic orientation of these parties have changed even when the name has remained the same. Okay, so there's that, you know, caveat. However, um, it does produce, you know, some good results where certain terms are more associated with certain parties. And again, the, here's, here's the key. For example, the word government. The word government's found in speeches going back 200 years in American history. It is not a distinctive factor among parties. It is not a term that one party is more likely to use than the other. There may be other terms that are 
contrasting examples, and data mining will surface some of those distinct differences. And that's really the advantage. It's not, if someone was just going for frequency of words, they might miss it. They might not be able to see that, you know, people from, uh, or presidents or leaders from one party may be using certain phrases or terms more than others. So that's, that's an example of where the text mining uh, has an advantage, and that is being able to show contrast or difference. What about things like detecting tone? So, I mean, a good example is a company saying, you know, I, I'd like to pick up everyone in the Twitterverse that's talking about us, and I'd like to know just a health as to is this positive or negative. Right. Uh, well, we, I will mention again, you know, what you mentioned earlier, you know, we were in Alicante and, and, and part of a conference where we were talking about text mining and some of the new research is coming out of um, universities. And what we're talking about now is called sentiment analysis and trying to figure out what is the sentiment of a person, not just looking for key words, but trying to look at whether a term or a thought or an opinion is either positive or negative. Companies find this of interest because now with all uh, form of media out there, they, they want to have and an idea of what uh, some of the key influential people are saying about maybe their product or service. And that's something that large companies will pay for now. They will pay, pay to either do it themselves or, as I suspect, they probably are outsourcing and having, having um, third parties do this uh, for them. Again, this is another entrepreneurial idea to be able to find blogs or find news media or outlets that, that are more influential and being able to monitor or track them on what they're saying about products or services. I've heard companies doing this for stocks where they will monitor uh, postings about certain stocks shared either in public or, or private uh, bulletin boards and, and be able to use that sentiment to advise their clients about investment decisions. But it's still, um, it's, it, it is a topic that has enough fascination that I feel that people will continue to work on this topic for many years. And one example I have given, for example, is sarcasm. Sarcasm uh, could trick a machine to think that you think one thing, but you're actually thinking the other, which is actually the point of sarcasm. It's like you, you say that you don't like something, but you really mean that you do. And um, that right now, that topic right now is, 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 is an example of where sentiment analysis might hit a wall. And again, I still go back to the, to the need to have people involved at these different stages, either individuals who are well-trained or more typically groups, groups that can look at output and for a critical issue, be able to determine, you know, was that person being sarcastic, you know, and, or, you know, was this, was this intent or was it a parody? You know, there's some parody websites out there that that's, that is what they do. And, you know, they're not necessarily, uh, for or against things. They're just, they're just putting it up as, as some sort of comedic relief. So, um, again, um, part of that, part of being able to accurately do things is not just 
um, programming a computer to capture Twitter feeds and scrape web pages, but also considering the source and considering you know some of these other known factors uh, which which might which might be involved. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because again that. The, exactly the same phrase from different people. That's right. You'd need to know that this person tends to use sarcasm quite a bit, whereas maybe somebody else, when they say that, really means that, you know, and so on. So, yeah, no, that's interesting. Right. The, listen, how do you imagine somebody should get started with data mining? Okay. Well, great question. I, I do have on marktab.net, um, I do have under my about section, there's, there's a phrase that uh, or a page I have on getting started. And it does show how to get started with the Microsoft technology. Uh, the first step is just identifying what role someone might be in. I identified the three roles that Microsoft recommends in their own literature. One is, is analyst, and that's just someone who's uh, expert in the data area and, and wants to um, have some more actionable information. Second is an architect. Uh, which would be more considered on the processing and the data requirements. And the third area would be developers, uh, which could be somebody extending the data mining algorithms into custom solutions. So for those three descriptions, you know, I, I have uh, outlined, and I put some pictures in here about uh, back-end and front-end solutions for people to look at. I will mention that you know, SQL Server is available for a free trial. Uh, people can download it for free, and, and even Windows is available for free trial. So uh, someone, could, someone could get, um, and I think that's true. <laughs> uh, right now, I don't have the link in front of me, but I know definitely yeah, no, Office. It, they, they both definitely are. I, I think um, so it's easy enough to try those sort of things for free. The, what I do suggest with people that use SQL Server, though, or are interested in building more knowledge. I always think uh, getting a copy of the developer edition, I think in the U.S. it's only about $49 or something. But, uh, right. I mean, it just gives you the entire tool set, everything. I, I see people trying to learn SQL Server just using Express and things like that because it's free. And I just say, look, you know, just go and pay you $49 or whatever. And I mean, what you get for that is astonishing. Right. And also, data mining is not in SQL Server Express. So you will have to get the develop the developer edition is a good way to go. That version does not expire, and um, it can be installed on a single machine. And, and again, you can go on to Microsoft's website and see what type of machine that would need to be. Yeah. Now you also mentioned Jamie McLennan's book earlier. Now uh, he's uh, a notable person that's left the team and gone off and. I notice he now has prediction software, P-R-E-D-I-X-I-O-N. Um, are there any other books that you think are notable in that area? Other books, um, I um, did uh, a another book review of a book with the lead author, Galit Shmueli. Okay, Shmueli. And uh, she is a professor, and she did an interview with me, and her book is on, uh, I think it's called Data Mining for Business Intelligence, and I think that my memory is correct on that. But I reviewed that on my website, and I feel her book shows how to take data mining and make decisions. And I view that process is more important for this technology than some of the other technical surrounding 
questions that we have been talking about in this podcast, such as performance tuning, such as application development. Okay, so for someone to learn performance tuning, yes, go to SQL CAT. For someone to learn application development, they'd be better off learning from a .NET guru. But to learn pure data mining, you know, that's part of the puzzle. It, it is uh, best taught by someone who's teaching, and, and the book that I did review on that topic, you know, was very good. I'm in the midst of reading an, another book, which I'm not going to mention yet because the review's not out. But I, I would encourage people uh, to see what's generally available on uh, my resource list. I have a list of uh, websites and blogs. Okay, The blogs and the websites are not just Microsoft technology, but certainly do include all that's related to Microsoft. And between the two lists, uh, there's a lot of other resources out there and communities where people can get involved, ask questions. Um, you know, I, I believe we're now in the social networking age. Yes, read books. Please do it because there's a lot of great books out there. But in addition to that, also find the communities, find the conferences, find the free resources in many cases uh, available. No, not just on my website, but many other websites that, that I do link where people can get uh, free information. Yeah, it intrigues me actually uh, how slowly many companies are reacting to the change to the social media structures. It's a, I thought the best example in recent times was uh, when the, uh, the that panel and things blew off the side of the engine off the Qantas jet. And uh, what was intriguing is the, the Qantas company was saying, oh, no, 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 you know, it, those things, there was no evidence that they came from us at all. And yet there were pictures immediately going around the Twitterverse of, here are pictures of the engine with you know, flying kangaroos on the side of them and so on. Right. And, yeah, the company just not able to deal with how quickly the uh, the information spreads nowadays. It's uh, way, so I mean everybody's talking about it long before the company even really knows what's going on. So it's a uh, it's it's uh, the social media has, has completely changed. I think a lot of this stuff. It, it's quite interesting. But where will people see you or what have you got coming up that might be of interest, Mark? Anything at all? I do. And um, well, first off, I'm going to be presenting at uh, an event in U.S. called uh, SQL Saturday, and I'm going to be presenting in Columbia, South Carolina, in March, which is this month. Uh, and uh, later on, uh, I'm going to be presenting at SQL Rally, which is a uh, past conference. It's going to be in Orlando, Florida in May. And in preparation for that, uh, I'm going to be um, also doing some PowerShell data mining examples. And that's going to be shared off the Microsoft Scripting Guys website. Again, I, I got attached to PowerShell because um, I decided to blog on the topic. It's, it's kind of a, uh, it was filling a hole and there's, you know, there's plenty of holes out there. If you love PowerShell, you know, you, you know, they're looking for people to write scripting examples. So those two presentations, SQL Saturday in, in this month, and then also SQL Rally, which will be in May. Magic. So listen, thanks so much for your time today, Mark. Well, thanks, Greg, for inviting me.